Welcome to Local Listens. Welcome to Local Listens. You're listening to Local Listens. You're listening to Local Listens. Local Listens. Welcome to Local Listens. Welcome to Local Listens. Welcome to Local Listens. Local Listens. Hello, hello. Welcome back, my friends. A storm is a brewing, and today I have a very special friend with me, and I got to thank the whole podcast community for bringing us together. Who knew I had such friends in such close places, such as Connecticut? And my friend here is Ellie, the host of the Speed Bumps podcast. I'm really excited to, to chat with her, especially because we just had an episode together on her brand new show, The Speed Bumps Podcast. And you folks got to check out episode one, where Ellie will talk about her personal journey. We won't get into it now, but I'm just saying, folks, you might want to hit pause and go to the Speed Bumps podcast and check it out, save it, subscribe, leave a five-star review, all that. But without further ado, one thumb L, Ellie, how's it going today? Thank you, Jake. That was such a nice intro. I'm good. How are you? Doing well, doing well. As I said, there is a storm brewing. All the events at my school are getting canceled, and I'm praying to the wi-fi gods i know they were kind of fucking with us last time but i think we're gonna do just all right and i want to ask you for our ritual first question i've been very excited to ask you this l when did you start to speak your truth probably the day that i quit pharma (laughs) (laughs) it was always subtly there um but the day that i decided to just leave and I just basically said, I, I, I need to be fully true to me and not this half in half out person that I was being because I wasn't being true to me. Right on. And I do believe that there was a video that you created or uh, some sort of Instagram reel or a TikTok and it went pretty viral. And actually our mutual friend, uh, Janet from Deplorable Nation just brought that up. She's like, that's how I found Elle. And it's pretty amazing. Was that right after you quit where you recorded this video? And would you like to tell folks what's in this video if they don't, if they haven't seen it yet? Yeah, sure. So no, that video was recorded, um, about nine months after I left pharma. Mm. Uh, I left pharma in April of 2021 and I left because I'd originally been working for a larger pharmaceutical company the world went crazy, decided to work with a company that was closer. It was more of a startup and, uh, they were doing a lot of shady practices. Um, so I would be like, Hey, uh, you know, we, we, people can't be running experiments in their basements or their garages. Um, and they'd be like, Oh no, it's fine. I'd be like, all right, don't think so, but all right. Uh, At one point, unlabeled chemicals were shipped across state lines and just regular FedEx containers. And there was an accident at the site. And instead of my former company taking responsibility, the first response was, ha ha ha, looks like you're having fun playing with chemicals. And it was just one thing after another, after another, um, verbally harassed. Uh, I was in a managerial type position, but I didn't have anyone under me. And there was a gentleman there. I don't know if he had a problem with women or whatever, um, constantly calling me out, or maybe he didn't like the fact that I don't have 10 fingers. I don't really know. Um, and HR would just talk to him and, but nothing ever really happened. Mm. And I got to a point that I just said, see ya, um, being told that the owner knows the governor and we don't need to worry was never an acceptable answer to me as for why we could just do whatever they thought they wanted. So I left, um, during that time, I became aware to how bad vaccines were. Mm. I used to work on or develop vaccines for bioweapons in grad school. And I thought the CDC was great. I thought they could do no wrong. Um, yeah, I was like, yeah, but vaccines are great. And I used to think that people who were anti-vaxxers were crazy and didn't understand the science jokes on me. I didn't understand the science. So because I was indoctrinated, not educated. Mm. 
I didn't actually look at any research papers. I didn't read an insert. I just said, yeah, the doctor says this is great. Cool. We're just going to go and do that. And so I made this reel that talked about part of the reason why I left and because it's a reel, it's much shorter than what I just explained. Um, but for some of those reasons, and it went kind of viral because a lot of scientists aren't speaking out. They're afraid to, they're afraid to be called crazy. But what I find super interesting is if you go on indeed or wherever and you look for a job, there's a ton of opening for scientists. Oh yeah. So where'd they all go? Hmm. Like I, I really want to know. And if there's ever a, I don't want to even say pharmaceutical because that's not the right term, but if there's ever a company that wants to do true science with an S and not science with a dollar sign, mm. and they would accept people or trust that they can make their own medical decisions, I guarantee you they would have some of the brightest minds and people would be fighting over those positions. Yeah, without that dollar sign for sure, because that really does come down to a lot of the quote unquote, root of all evil in the pharmaceutical industry, uh, you know, the science with a dollar sign or the, the standard traditional, you know, what we come to accept as science, like we're taught in school that if you can do an experiment and repeat it and get the same results, that could be quote unquote scientific. But I'm curious too, another element, I definitely don't want to skip over this because you brought up that you had previously worked on research for vaccines that are uh, effective against bioweapons. Now, that's a very legitimate issue. If someone had decided that they were going to use biological weapons on a particular country, we would want a response immediately. We would want something we could depend on so that we could avoid, as our lovely president says, illness and death, because we don't want that. But what was your thought? Like, what was your thinking going into that research? You had mentioned that you were already in the indoctrination. I was too. I think most of us were, but what was that like in the beginning? And then, you know, I guess you look back on it with different feelings now, but what was that like for you? So I had my bachelor's in cellular and molecular biology. And when I went for my master's, that's where I did this research. um, I specifically sought out grad schools that had the ability to work with more infectious agents because I'm the, I was the crazy person that wanted to dress up in the spacesuit and go into hot zones. Like that was my dream. Mm. I was that crazy person. It's like the bomb squad. (laughs) Exactly. My parents were like, you're nuts. Why do you want to do this? And I was like, I don't know, but it's just so cool. So I ended up getting into, um, a grad school that did this and I specialized in respiratory, uh, potential bioweapons, which I'm pretty sure makes me ideally qualified for the current pandemic. Very qualified, more qualified than most people who go on podcasts and talk about respiratory illnesses. <laughs> right. So when this, when COVID first happened, before they were mandating masks, I was telling my now husband, I said, we need to get N95s. This is what's going to keep us safe. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah. And because of his experience in the Marines, like he's like, yeah, he's like, let's do it. So we, at first we were the crazy people wearing masks before anyone else. But then I realized that the government was telling you that we don't need to wear the masks and the masks don't work. And I'm like, wait a minute, based on what I learned, you're like, so the government response versus what the government said never matched. And based on what I learned in school, that is when I started questioning things. Mm. And in grad school, I thought it was great. I thought I was doing a good thing. Um, but one of the things that I worked on or the, for my thesis, I remember asking my grad professor, because we we're trying to develop a new, better one. And I said, well, where did this original vaccine come from that we use he goes, oh, the Russians gave it to us, gave it to us in the 1950s. And we're not really quite sure how it works. And it's only like maybe 50% effective, but we still give it to all the troops. And I'm like, whoa, wait, what? He's like, yeah. He's like, and then whatever we developed, the, the, the military just gets tested as guinea pigs. And I'm like, wait, what? Oh my God. And I questioned it, but I didn't question it enough at the time because I truly believed I was doing something good. Hmm. And I remember 
I, I, and I don't remember whose podcast it was on, but it was in the past maybe four months or so. And someone had said how they were, the government was using academia to subvert, sub, to subvert the Geneva convention because mm. under the Geneva convention, you cannot research biological weapons. You cannot weaponize them. Right. But to develop this new vaccine that I was working on in grad school, we had to make a stronger strain and then make a vaccine that only worked against that strain. Hmm. So I remember asking, well, if the Russians, okay, the Russians are the bad guys apparently here, unless they use this specific strain, how do we know our vaccine would work? And he's like, oh, well, we really don't. And I'm like, well, so... I realized, you know, about four months ago that I was basically being used to subvert, to subvert the Geneva convention. And I was like, well, if I thought I could never go back to pharma, that pretty much solidified it because, um, I'm not going to be party to the development of biological weapons. Right. That sounds like it should raise a lot of red flags. All the alarms should be going off at, at that point when people who are responsible for such a heavy burden with such serious consequences can't even answer your question scientifically. I mean, it should be all about data, right? And I want to ask you this. Sometimes when I talk to, to people who um, didn't go to college, I feel like I have to explain to them that I wasn't indoctrinated or that, yes, I was put through the indoctrination, but it didn't work. So if someone, was, if, if someone were to ask you, Elle, what is the difference between education and indoctrination? What would you tell them? The ability to critical think and Mm. think for yourself. So if someone says, uh, all grass is green, well, there's like this thing called Kentucky bluegrass or whatever, like, Mm. but does it actually look blue? Like do the research for yourself. And I purposely chose something so mundane as grass to prove a point because someone could say vegetable oil safe or butter safe or margarine, like pick a topic. Mm. Do you, if you are incapable of doing your own research or you just trust what you're being told, you're indoctrinated, not educated. Mm. Now this is, seems like a perfect segue because you bring up uh, seed oils and, you know, there's definitely a trend these last couple months about seed oils being so damaging and this whole nutritional psyop that we've gone through um, has been pretty interesting. I'm curious though, are you familiar with Edward Bernays? And if so, would you like to explain your take on the propaganda that has been pushed around health and health-related issues from your own experience? I feel like I know the name, but I cannot tell you what he did. Sure. All right. So let me back up a bit. Edward Bernays, I believe he was the nephew of Sigmund Freud or the uncle of Sigmund Freud. I'm so sorry if I'm getting this, this wrong. He's connected to Sigmund Freud in some way. Okay. He's responsible for a lot of the propaganda. So like, at one point, you've probably been told that you should have um, OJ, bacon, eggs, and toast for breakfast. That's like the standard American breakfast that is served at every diner. Yep. And that came from Edward Bernays. And the, the whole idea, just like you were saying, academia is in cahoots with these different companies. So they would work together to push out a BS paper that was quote unquote peer reviewed to confirm, yes, if you have this breakfast, then you're going to be strong. And like, oh, all right. I mean, most of that breakfast is okay. Maybe the toast is not so good, but let me ask you this then. Do you feel like there are conflicts of interest? We've, we've already talked about science with a dollar sign, but what about science with a PSY, the science, the psyop of science? What do you think is, is happening these days, whether it's around COVID or just around the general pushing out of messages to get a a point across that is quote unquote scientific. I love that question. And I've never thought about science as PSY. And now my mind is going just came to me now. You've inspired me. Listen, it's going a million miles direction. (laughs) I love that question. So this, the science, the psychological part of science, um, in regards to COVID it's the, ever-changing message, I feel like. And it's not because of new developments. It's just so many people are calling them out on their bullshit that they finally have to go, oh, okay. Um, th- there's no new science about masks or new science right. about 
the only new science about the vaccine is now we have the numbers and the proof of what people were saying all along that it didn't work and that people were having complications. Um, so that's a whole psyop in and of itself. The way that people are told food, you know, you're told go to the grocery store, eat your cereal, get your Eggo waffles, um, get your rice aroni. Right. And 50 years ago, 60 years ago, half this stuff didn't exist. Right. And it boggles my mind, like Heinz ketchup, for example. If you look on the ingredients for Heinz ketchup, one of the first ingredients is like high fructose corn syrup and all mm. this other stuff. Not now even tomatoes. Can, yeah. But now you can also get organic Heinz tomato ketchup and it, then mm. it's like five ingredients or something. Mm. In Europe, that doesn't need to say organic. It's just those five ingredients or whatever. Right. Europe has such higher standards to the point that a lot of moms who can't breastfeed were actually getting baby formula from Europe because they have higher standards. Mm. And in America, we're just fed this trash food and it's processed with natural flavors and artificial flavors to make our bodies crave it. Mm. And there's an obesity epidemic and high cholesterol and diabetes and all this stuff because we're not eating true bread. We're eating, I don't even know, plastic, whatever. Yeah. Um, it's not true food. The eggs that you typically buy from a grocery store probably aren't good. Like go find a local farm. Mm. Raw milk is not going to kill you, but pasteurized milk might like all the things that we were taught are so wrong. And then trying to explain to people the, just simply going back to how our grandparents or great grandparents ate and how then you look like the crazy one. Mm. And if they become defensive, they're like, oh, well, you, you just must not think I'm smart. No, I, like, I think that you were Fred propaganda and I believed it too for a while. Yeah. Like I was drinking the soy milk and the oat milk and everything Oh, me else. too. Yeah, yeah. So like I don't judge anybody for it. But that's to go back to your indoctrinated versus educated point. Being able to accept new information that challenges your worldview is how you know you're educated. Hmm. That's amazing. Yeah, that's a great way to sum it up. If we cannot deal with our own cognitive dissonance, then we might be in a cult because that's how you know. It's like, well, if you can't think out of this box, then you might need to step outside of that box and rethink some things. Uh, you know, it's interesting too, because when when you were speaking earlier, I had the thought that if anyone has ever shamed a quote unquote conspiracy theorist, call them up and apologize to them because there's data coming out. There are verifiable proofs available these recent years. Uh, I mean, even in the last couple months with like new leaks or not necessarily leaks, but release documents from Pfizer or from these, these other companies. And I want to ask you if you're willing to go into it here. You brought up some verifiable truths, some proofs, some facts, statistics on pregnant women who uh, could be given vaccines because it's quote unquote safe. Uh, Do you want to go into that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, there's studies that have come out that show that pregnant women who receive the COVID vaccine, um, a lot of times now you keep hearing about this hepatitis in children Mm -hmm. and hepatitis is simply liver inflammation. Um, It's not like hepatitis A, B, or C. Um, They're just saying it's hepatitis. Well, why is a baby toddler getting hepatitis? And what they're not saying, but if you scroll on some of these mothers' Facebooks and things like that, they're all vaccinated and they breastfed their babies. We know that those COVID antibodies, if you want to call them that, they're not really antibodies from the vaccine, which isn't really a vaccine, uh, the injection, um, can actually pass through the breast milk and get into the child. And some people are like, yeah, that's so great. And I'm like, we don't know the effects. You're an idiot. Um, like, and, and let me rephrase. If you truly think that based on all the research that you're doing what's best, you do you, but let me make my decisions. Right. And we're just going to let each other be. Um, 
I've seen the data. It's highly alarming to me. The fact that Pfizer, when they were testing pregnant women, um, lost track of like more than 75%, I think of them, like they just stopped reporting. So they really don't know. Every vaccine insert tells you that the vaccine has not been tested to see if it affects fertility and no vaccine is ever tested on a pregnant woman, section 13.1 of every insert, because it's considered unethical. So L, we're talking not just about the COVID vaccine or the quote unquote vaccine. That's something yep. else we should get into is what the hell is a vaccine anyway, but none of these injections have ever been tested on a pregnant woman before. No. And actually most medications aren't either. So because it's considered un- unethical because you're affecting two lives and then that gets into the whole yeah. abortion thing. We're not going to, we're going to gloss yeah, over we that can for steer a away from that today. <laughs> we're going to steer away from that <laughs> I mean, maybe the formula is worth talking about, but yeah, that that's pretty alarming that this has never been. No tested. vaccine has ever been tested. So every time a pregnant woman gets a vaccine, I don't care if it's the flu shot, the Tdap, whatever insert here. Mm. Um, if you have an adverse reaction, you're just, you're part of the experiment. You're, you're part of the data that they're collecting. And because so many Americans are either on a prescription or taking supplements or get a multiple injections, um, figuring out pinpointing it to one injection can be really hard to do unless it's immediate. So, and then if there's birth effects with the baby, how do you prove it was the Tdap and not the flu? How do you prove it wasn't the Tylenol? How do you prove it wasn't if they got induced the Pitocin? How, like, how do you prove what actually caused whatever's wrong with the child? You can't because so many medical infer- interventions are given to pregnant women that it's nearly impossible. Yeah, there's so many which, variables. Which is why um, like thalidomide took so long to figure out that it was bad for pregnant women. Do you know what thalidomide is? No, what is that? So back in, I want to say the sixties or seventies, it was given to women who had extreme morning sickness Mm. and it was mainly used in Europe, but the babies would basically develop no limbs or they would call flipper limbs. So like the hand would just be attached to the shoulder or the feet would be attached to just the hips. Um, they were called the litamide babies and it took them like, I want to say a year or two to figure out that's what it was, but that that's short. That's short to figure out, Hey, this is causing this. Yeah. Yeah. There's been so many things like Tylenol. Now they're saying can cause autism if you take it when you're pregnant. What? And Tylenol has been out for how long? Oh, Jesus. Tylenol has been the thing of, yeah, if you're pregnant, it's totally safe. They give it to you when you're in labor. It's considered the safe drug, right? Oh my God. And now they're saying, oh, hey, because it does all this, that all these things, especially with glutathione, Mm. it might actually be causing autism. See, this is uh, very alarming because there are like Tylenol and ibuprofen is a great example. It's so normalized in our culture. Like I've had students ask me, Mr. Loco, do you have any Tylenol? I have a headache. I'm like, no, I'm not giving you anything. But the fact that it's something that when you feel pain, whether it's a headache or joint inflammation, whatever, it's like the first thing most people think of is let me grab a Tylenol. And I'm curious, I want to transition into your experiences with holistic health. But before we do, let's answer this pressing question, because I'm sure people might want to hear from someone with the experience like you've had. What is a vaccine and why? Why is the COVID vaccine not a quote unquote vaccine? A vaccine up until now was a killed, typically killed um, virus or bacteria or part of one along with other ingredients that were injected. Um, there are a couple live vaccines where it's like the live virus, um, but those are a little more rare and you have to be careful because you can shed with a live vaccine. So the reason this is different is there, there's no part of a virus. There's no um, virus killed or live. It's simply mRNA and mRNA is a precursor to making either RNA or DNA. And that's never been put in humans before. Mm -hmm. Um, the times that it was tried, I want to say like 40 years ago, don't quote me on that. There was a study with ferrets 
and all the ferrets died. They, they gave them this mRNA injection. They thought, oh, this is great. They exposed them to the uh, virus that they were testing, and then all the ferrets died. Mm. Um, we don't know the long-term effects of what this does. We don't know, can the mRNA integrate? Some people say yes. Some people say no. Some The way that it's made, there's so many unknowns and the way that it was manufactured is entirely different than any other vaccine prior to it. Mm-hmm. So the, I think it's like the Oxford dictionary or something is actually, or the Webster dictionary has actually changed their definition of change. a vaccine. Yes. Yeah. I feel like use like the way back machine before a certain date, it says yep. one thing or get a paper dictionary. Mm-hmm. Um, it says one thing and now it says something totally different. So incredible incredible okay so uh take away folks if you are a little confused just remember this that the medical industry does not necessarily want to cure us it is a business model to the end and we have to empower ourselves and i'm sure if you would like to share some of your experiences did you ever feel disempowered during your experiences with the medical industry, whether as an employee of these companies or as a patient. And I'm curious when you answer that question, what were some of the the solutions that you found, including Reiki, including other holistic methods? Like how did you discover this new path or this alternative path that opens up the door for uh, true genuine healing? Yeah. So I had, like open heart surgery as a kid, I had limb, I had seven limb lengthening surgeries. Um, I was hit by a car as a pedestrian uh, and a bunch of different things. And basically every time I'd go to the doctor, cause I had so many different surgeries, I would say, I would just point to a body and say, this hurts. And they go, okay, you want, wh- what do you want? Mm. I could literally go to a doctor and ask for anything I wanted. Right Now I was conscious enough to be aware that I didn't want to be addicted to opiates. I didn't like the way like narcotics felt in my body. Um, but I would go seeking for answers And I was never really presented with any besides here's another bottle of pills. Mm. And it, maybe they would take the edge off. Maybe they would work, but I would get to a point that I'm really surprised. I still have a functioning liver because I would take, um, so prescription strength Motrin is 800 milligrams. I was taking four of them three times a day. Oh man. I don't know how I still have a functioning liver. And this wasn't a one-off. This was like for months on end. And they would just be like, oh, we, we don't really know else we can do to help you. Um, you're, you're just going to have chronic pain. And I'm like, yeah, no. Um, so when I met my now husband, I was going through a divorce. And he's like, I want you to go for a Reiki. And I was like, and at this point, I'm still big into pharma and, um, all very much indoctrinated. He's like, I want you to go for Reiki. I'm like, what is it? He's like, I don't really want to tell you. I want you to go in with an open mind. Um, I was like, that's a bunch of woo woo bullshit. Like he's like, literally the worst that's going to happen is you're going to go lay on a table for an hour and relax. There's literally no downside to this. The worst case scenario. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, fine. Like I'll go. Sure. And Given my background, I typically research everything. Hmm. If I'm going on a date with somebody, I research them. If I'm going to go to a restaurant, I research it. Like I research everything before I do it. I didn't look up Reiki once and I had like a week to do it. Hmm. Went in, had my mind blown because I mean, she also did tarot at the end. Um, nice. And so like some of the things she was telling me, but also some of the readings she was getting from my body, I was like, Mike couldn't have known this. It wasn't on Facebook. Like, and so I'm trying to use my scientific logical mind to go, how does this woman know all of this? Mm. And I stewed over it for like a month and a half afterwards. And I wouldn't talk to Mike about it. I was just like, I I need time to process. And I'm like trying to figure this out. Like what did, what just happened to me? And I went down to Florida to visit my parents for Christmas, uh, in 2019. Hmm. And there I saw, um, they had just these empty rollers with crystals in them. Hmm. And Mike had introduced me to essential oils and things like that. And I was like, you know, I really, I'm liking essential oils, all the different things that they can do. I bet you I can make custom blends and put crystals in them and make custom blends for people. 
because the anxiety, if you have anxiety jig versus uh, Janet or whatever, it might be two different things, right? Right. So personalizing it to each person, whether it's the crystals or the oils or whatever. Love it. So I started that in February of 2020 and then the world went crazy and people didn't want to smell anything because we all had face diapers on. (laughs) So that was a major, major, major buzzkill. There we go for my business for a bit. Um, And at that point I was still working in pharma and I ended up, I say I quit in April of 2021 and I've thrown myself into Reiki and essential oils Mm. and just really holistic health because I absolutely believe there's a time and place for allopathic Western trauma medicine. Oh yeah. Um, if I'm hit by a car again, heaven forbid, uh, please take me to a trauma bay. Exactly. Um, but then when we're, when they have me all patched up and I'm recovering, we're going to use essential oils, not narcotics. Mm -hmm. So for acute injuries, absolutely. There's, we have some of the best medical systems. Yeah. Um, long-term chronic care, the Western medicine system sucks. And that also in like most people who speak about holistic health also talk about lifestyle changes. And I'm, I'm curious now that you've integrated, uh, essential oils and Reiki, um, w- would you like to share a couple, whether they're habits or rituals or routines, and you could be specific if you want, like which oils are you, uh, drawn to, like, which have a powerful impact on you or, you know, what, um, what could you go into more detail about these tools that you've been using for yourself? Yeah. So, um, so because I was hit by a car, I was on like antidepressants for a really long time and antidepressants can really mess up your serotonin levels. And I have been off of them now for a while, but I still felt very down. It didn't seem to matter what I did. And uh, I worked with a naturopath for a while and he suggested I take GABA and GABA is a natural um, receptor in the brain. And so now I just take one of those a day and that actually balances everything out for me, but it's a holistic way to balance um, your brain chemistry Mm because it's naturally occurring. Um, like melatonin, right? Like some, some people take melatonin, it's naturally occurring, uh, but it's controversial at the same time. Yeah, (laughs) it is because it's a hormone, right? Okay. And so melatonin should be used in, in my opinion, I'm not a medical doctor. This is not medical advice, um, should be used in short bursts Mm. because it is a hormone. If you feel like you have to take melatonin, uh, you're probably having something wrong with your hormones, like your thyroid, your adrenals, things like that. Um, there's much gentler ways to help you oh, yeah. go to sleep that are non-addictive. Mm-hmm. And I'll add this too, like, you know, and then I'll, I want to get back to what you were saying earlier, but for anyone taking melatonin because they have insomnia, like kind of consider what Elle just said, because you could take melatonin if you have jet jet lag and you're off your schedule or something happens like that. But hab- habitual use of anything, folks, even if it's uh, something that seems harmless, like uh, THC or whatever, habitual use of anything should be looked at very carefully. I just want to say that, but yeah, no, I, and I a hundred percent agree. Um, another thing that has been really helpful for me is magnesium, not Mm. magnesium citrate, because that'll just help you go to the bathroom. Right. Uh, But things like magnesium malate, magnesium, things like theanate, there's like five different types of magnesium, Mm. um, that can actually reduce, you know, anxiety, help stress levels, things like that. And our food is so depleted of minerals that a lot of people are magnesium deficient. Mm. So me taking magnesium has um, really helped with like my mood, but also my energy levels. Yeah. It's good to have electrolytes in all forms. And uh, one of my friends was a nurse uh, at a local hospital here in Connecticut. And she would always say this because she goes around and does her rounds and checks on everyone's vitals. And that was the number one thing. Everyone was low in all sorts of salts, but especially the one that you mentioned. And when we think about supplements, that's definitely uh, probably an issue that most people have is they might go on Amazon and type in something and they'll buy the first thing that they see. They probably won't even read the ingredients because there's all sorts of additives. And I'm, I'm curious, besides GABA, were there any other products um, or you know other tools in your medicine bag that you want to share that you've been getting into so far? So a company called Boiron, B-O-I-R-O-N, uh, makes these little homeopathic um, 
pellets basically. Mm. And so they come in these little tubes that are maybe three inches long and maybe a half inch wide. And they have my whole foods. They have an Amazon, things like that. Um, but what I love is there's actually an app that you can download from Boyron for completely free called medicine finder. Hmm. And so if you have a headache, like you said, you might pop a Tylenol, but instead you go in and you say, okay, well, the headaches behind my eyes, hmm. it'll actually recommend a specific homeopathic Nice. and you just take five and you place them under your tongue and they dissolve, hmm. which means they're great for kids. And you just give them like two or three instead of five. Um, and you wait 15, 20 minutes, see if you feel better. If it, if you don't, you can either take another dose or see if maybe your symptoms have changed. Hmm. So you're treating the symptom in a very gentle way. Yes. And that's really cool too, because if two people have a headache, for example, not all headaches are created equal. Like some of them, like you said, it could be on this side of your head or the other, or like one is from dehydration, one is from lack of sleep. I mean, there could be so many causes and we, we should definitely not treat wellness. Like I say the same thing, L. am a ex-vegan. I'm a recovering vegan. I used to be way down the vegan rabbit hole and I got a little preachy about it and I was telling people what they should eat. And now I come away from that uh, with a bit of guilt because I'm like, man, no one has the same metabolism. Like we can never recommend one product for everybody. That seems like a terrible idea. Don't you think? Oh no, hundred percent. My husband jokes. So I eat like 12 times a day, many meals. Um, and he jokes, he's like, if I ate the way that you did, you know, I'd be 400 pounds. And if I don't eat 12 times a day, like I get hangry. Mm. So you don't want to see her when she's hangry folks. No, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> and so like, I constantly have snacks in my purse and people like make fun of me. Cause I'm like, I always, I'm always eating something. And, um, they're like, how do you do that? And I was like, if I don't, you know, it, it, it doesn't bode well for me, but someone else, you know, maybe they can't eat that much or that frequently. And like you said, everyone's different. Um, that's amazing that you bring that up. That perfectly solidifies what I was going to ask you because I personally eat one meal a day. I have a very strange response to insulin. Like when I, I, I eat and I spike way up and then I drop really far mm -hmm. down, no matter what, even if I eat just meat or just fruit or whatever, like Okay. Always the same thing happens. I get super sleepy afterwards. So I wait until the evening I, I eat and then I go to bed like two hours later. Like it's perfect. It works for, for me personally, but when I eat throughout the day, I get a little sleepy. So it's pretty interesting. And I've tried everything and I've just found that fasting with electrolytes makes me feel amazing, but I've learned and I'm glad that I've learned this. I could never recommend that to anyone because everyone has a different metabolism. So I'm happy that you found the thing that works for you personally. And I want to jump back into Reiki because maybe some people have never tried Reiki. Thankfully, you and I have experienced it. And I want to ask you, what would you say to people who were not sure? Because you were on that side of the fence at one point. You were maybe a bit skeptical. And now that you've had these experiences, what would you say to the person who's still on the fence? I would say if you have an inkling that you want to try it, do it and do it with an open mind, mm. have no, uh, preconceived notions, have no expectations, uh, beyond you're going to go in and relax because if you go in thinking, oh, I'm going to get Reiki and they're going to cure my back pain or they're going to cure my headache or mm. they're going to make it. So I'm not stressed anymore. Um, no, that's not how this works. Right. Yeah, my uh, first Reiki teacher had a very strong rule about that, actually. She was like, please don't tell me what you're here for. Like, don't tell me what your problems are. We're just going to go into this kind of blind with zero expectations. Because if you tell someone, I've got back pain, I need you to help me with that, then there's you're setting an expectation for a certain outcome. And she would always say, we're never attached to any sort of outcome. And the cool thing is, which is something that you sort of alluded to in your story when you went to go visit your parents and got into the oils is that a reiki session according to my teachers and my from my own experience i can say yes this is true the reiki experience will extend beyond it, it could be something like the energy will affect you for weeks and months it's like uh when you have like a heroic dose of mushrooms it's like that experience stays with you and that'll like be integrated into your your near future for quite a while uh who knows but did you have uh, 
any take on that or any personal experience with the lasting effects of a Reiki session? Yeah. And I, like my first one, I thought about it for like a month and a half Mm -hmm. and just, it changed me. It opened my mind and it made me realize I don't know as much as I think I do. It it was very humbling after a while. Um, First, I just wanted to understand. And it was, I was almost angry, like why I didn't understand. And then it was this realization of, I'm never going to understand if I can't open my mind. Mm. Well said, well said. We have had an incredible array of themes here about being open-minded, questioning, seeking out new knowledge when you're aware that the current knowledge is not suiting you. And I'm curious, this question might seem a bit random, but I do want to tie it all together in a special way. So I want you to pretend that you're giving your best friend advice. And you've noticed that your friend has a bit of a victim mentality. And it's a, a phrase that could really mean like they have a habitual thought pattern that puts them at odds with the entire world. They're a victim of circumstance and they treat themselves as a victim. How would you help that person? Where would you start? So I don't sugarcoat things. So the way that I respond to this is probably not the way most people would like. Um, But if I knew them, I would probably look at them and say, you've gone through harder shit. Mm. Or basically, I I would probably say something to like shock them at first, just to get their attention and kind of go, you, okay, you've been in this giant pity party for X amount of time. We're not going to do this anymore. So what can we do in your perfect world? What needs to change for you Mm. to get better and asking them how, what is so wrong? Cause a lot of people, I feel like get to a point where they're really down. Hmm. but they can't actually tell you why they're upset anymore. They can't verbalize it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Reiki can help you work through that. Hmm. Um, It can release a lot of emotions. Um, Essential oils can help with that releasing stuck emotions. Um, But honestly, it just comes down to if they're willing to work on it because you can't force anyone out of victim mentality. Hmm. They, They have to want to. Right. You can lay all the puzzle pieces in front of them and you can get them to say, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. And then you get to the end and you're like, okay, so then you agree with, and you're like, well, no. And you're mm. just like, you want to put your head in your hands and you're just like, <laughs> so I don't really know because unless they want help, mm. I don't know how I would help them. That's a brilliant answer too. Like, what you're saying is that we can only show them the door. They're going to have to walk through themselves, but being a good friend as you are, you're saying here is the, the door that you must walk through. I can't do it for you. You have to do it on your own. And I'm, I'm curious when you think back to your journey and I want to remind folks, go to the speed bumps podcast, listen to episode one to get Elle's amazing story, which is very inspiring and chilling and thrilling and it made me angry at the end because you shared such (laughs) profound truths that i was like upset i was like what the fuck so i want to ask you when you're thinking back when you're reflecting on what you've been through and when you look at where you're going do you have any particular goals in the next say five or ten years when people ask you like where do you see yourself it's almost like i'm asking you if you could do anything what would you want to get done in the next five or 10 years? What are some projects or personal goals that you're pursuing? Um, thanks to, you know, this wonderful energetic and ambition that you have, what do you want to do with it? I went into science to help people. And ultimately I left science because I wasn't helping people and I do Reiki, um, And I work with essential oils now because that actually does help people in a very tangible way. I do this thing called symphony of the cells and it's with essential oils and it can be used for, um, grief. It can be used for hormone balancing. It can be used for pain. It doesn't cure anything, but it can aid you in recovery Mm. and aid your body in healing. I feel like we are, we all have the capacity to heal if we're, our body is given the right conditions and nourishment. Yeah. Yeah. So in five years, I would love right now I'm working, um, as like a subcontractor Mm. at a place in Berlin 
and, but I'd love to have my own space where I'm working and I can sell my crystals and my oils and hold classes to teach people how to use these oils and how to use some of the homeopathics and just really being able to understand their body and giving them the confidence that if you have the sniffles Mm. or you start to feel a sore throat, here are some natural things that you can try before you run to your doctor with antibiotics. I really just Mm. want to empower people and help them grow. Like that's where I see myself in five years. I love that. I love that. And I do want to ask you because we sort of got into this earlier, but I definitely want to give people at the very least one practical bit of guidance on essential oils. So can you think about some of the oils that you use regularly or on a daily basis? And would you like to choose one to to talk about, or maybe a couple, like, what would you say uh, if you were to describe your sort of ritual or routine using these oils for your own personal matters? So the first thing I want to say is never buy oils off Amazon. Mm. They are frequently adulterated and they are not what they claim. Mm. Um, so I personally work with doTERRA. Yep. They, it's a therapeutic grade. It's high quality. You know where they're sourced from. You can mm. actually look at the bottom of the bottle and uh, trace everything back um, and make sure that it's pure. So mm. I personally work with doTERRA and I use oils and everything. I take them by mouth. I use them to clean with. Um, I use them for my hair. Uh, I use them if I have an upset stomach, if my knee hurts, like I have oils all over the house. I am the crazy essential oil lady, (laughs) but they work. Mm -hmm. And I think I'll, I'll do a basic one lemon. Sure. So you can use a couple of drops in water, but only ever use glass or stainless steel water bottles. Because if you take a drop of lemon essential oil and put it on like a styrofoam cup or girls, if you have those little like clear elastics or those colored elastics that you do when you braid your hair, you put a single drop of lemon essential oil on that. It's going to snap that rubber band like that Mm. because it eats the plastic. It's an acid folks. We can't, we cannot forget that. But it's yes, but it's not. If you put it in your water, it's not like lemon juice. It's right. not, it doesn't have the acid. It's not going to eat the enamel of your teeth. And it's actually very cleansing and detoxing to the body and very gentle. Yeah. So it, it doesn't, it's not sour like you would think. Right. Because um, there's no citric acid in it. Hmm. See, this is uh, very interesting because my, my first assumption, of course, and it wasn't an, ass- an assumption, is that this would be. Like you said, you know, it's not, it's not sour. Uh, so for lemon as the example, um, when these oils are put into this state, um, would you say like, for example, would you rather uh, squeeze a whole lemon into a cup of water or use the, the oils? Like, how would you kind of figure out when to use the original source and then when to use the oil? Is there any sort of difference in your thinking? So the oils are definitely more concentrated. Mm-hmm. So I'd have to look it up, but like lavender, I think is like, there's like 20 pounds of lavender or something in like one little 15 mil bottle of essential oh, oil. Oh my God. Um, so the concentration of these oils is insane. Mm. You'd have to juice like two dozen lemons in your water to even come close to the oil. So if you're doing it because you like the taste of lemon water and um, you like that sourness, go ahead and by all means use fresh lemons, organic lemons. Mm. Um, but if you really want to detox the body, I would recommend the oil just because it's a little more concentrated. Um, It can really flush things out. Interesting. And the other uh, point that you brought up was that you not only use these oils for ingestion or for nutritional value, but also for uh, products of some sort. Could it be like cleaning products? Uh, What other types of, or maybe a cosmetic? I don't know. What else have you been using them for besides the nourishment? Yeah. So, um, If I start to feel like I'm, maybe I feel like I'm getting a sore throat and I'm not sure what's going on. I'll put some oregano oil in a capsule, like one of those capsules that you pull apart, like a veggie capsule. Mm -hmm. And then I'll take a garlic pill or a fresh clove of garlic and I'll just eat it. And I haven't needed antibiotics because they're natural oregano and garlic are both natural antibiotics. So those are like always in my medicine cabinet. Um, A mixture of a little bit of baking soda, vinegar, water, 
Castile soap and lemon oil, spread that over the top of your glass top, glass stove top and let it sit for a bit. It'll form like a paste. Mm. You can then scrub it off. It is some of the best cleaner and it's non-toxic. And that was another thing is a lot of the cleaning products that we use in our house are soaps, uh, the Windex, the Febreze, the, all the things are filled with these fragrances and they're really, really bad for you. They actually disrupt your hormones. Mm -hmm. And so using things like diffusers or, um, a more gentler, uh, laundry detergent and tied, even if it says free and clear or all free and clear or whatever, it, it's not like, that's a whole nother thing. Like you really need to look at yeah, the, marketing the soaps BS that you use. Yeah. Greenwashing, right. all that, that. Yeah. What about deodorant? Because I'm, I'm someone who has traveled far and wide looking for that perfect aluminum free deodorant that actually works because I'm a pretty sweaty boy. So what would you say? I mean, <laughs> have you had that, that same issue where like, you're aware that aluminum in your armpits isn't the best idea, but sometimes it seems like the natural stuff doesn't work. Have you figured out a solution for yourself? So let me ask you this. When you say it doesn't work, is it doesn't work because you still sweat or because you still smell? Great question, L. Yes. So when you <laughs> are supposed to sweat, I think antiperspirant is a psyop because sweat is natural. Sweat is normal. Sweat is beautiful, folks. Sweat shamelessly. But the smell. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess that's also my diet, right? Your uh, diet will influence your body odor. Um, so I've cleaned that up and that's definitely helped. But um, what so else your diet, yep. your diet, your skin is your largest organ. Yep. So if you're still using those colognes, if you're still mm. using, you know, the old spice, the cream or whatever in your hair, um, if you're using styling products, uh, if you're washing your clothes and tied and things like that, those things are sitting against your skin all day and your skin is absorbing those. Mm. And when you smell, when you sweat, it's your body's early warning system saying, I'm not well inside, fix mm. me. Mm. So whether that's a detox, whether that's getting rid of um, bad food or, you know, things that touch your skin that are, aren't good for you, all the soaps and the things like that. Um, I've heard, I think it's bentonite clay and apple cider vinegar. Hmm. You make like a paste and you can put it on your armpits and it'll actually help draw and clean out the lymph nodes and detox. So then when you sweat, you don't smell as much. Interesting. And I've uh, had a group of friends talk about something very similar. It's the no poo method. And it's no folks, we're not talking about shit. We're talking about <laughs> shampoo. And I'm curious if you've looked into this as well, because that's another area that like, for example, probably w- one of the most popular brands is head and shoulders or something like that, like the anti-dandruff or whatever. And it's full of chemicals, full of these nasty, nasty substances that you don't want on your scalp. And I'm curious how you've adjusted knowing what you know about um, bathing products. So I have really fine, thin hair. And so I was never the girl that could go like two days without three days without washing my hair. I looked like an oily rat. Um, it was bad, but I had a really hard time finding shampoo and conditioner that was clean. Um, the one I currently use is actually by doTERRA and it smells like peppermint or spearmint. Um, and I can actually now go a day or two without washing my hair. So to me, that says a lot about the product as well. Um, but there, I don't, I think it also depends on the texture of your hair and how Mm. thick it is and things like that. Because if you have naturally thicker hair or curly hair, you're automatically going to be able to go longer in between washes. Mm. Whereas with me, like two days or my max three, if I'm like camping and I have a baseball hat and all the things. (laughs) So (laughs) I went to go camping, man. My, my camping hairdo is the absolute, it's it's so nice to let yourself feel natural. Kind of like what we talked about with sweating, you know, let yourself get sweaty, uh, brush your teeth. Yes. But you know, stay away from fluoride, you know, we should definitely lean towards the more natural approach whenever possible. And I'm, I'm curious now, kind of like how we, uh, talked about whether it would be, uh, the food or the medicine. I'm curious when you're uh, building your business, and by the way, if people want to contact you about oils, about crystals, about Reiki, uh, how should they find you? What what should they do, Elle? Uh The easiest thing would either to find me on Instagram, which is one O-N-E thumb E-L or one thumb L at gmail.com. 
and I work at the Center for Higher Living in Berlin, Connecticut. Hmm. Now, would you like to tell us a, a, a little bit? Yeah, a little bit about that center because there is uh, something interesting about that. It's a center for higher living, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's uh, massage uh, practitioners there. There's Reiki practitioners there. There's people who do shamanic healing. Hmm. There's a holistic psychologist there. Um, and they hold Qigong classes and meditation classes. And I think they're starting yoga again. So it's definitely all about... Um, holistic health and getting in touch with yourself and your body and your mind and your spirit. Because Mm. once you're in touch with yourself, you're going to be able to better understand, okay, uh, my back hurts and I don't know why it's hurting. Is it hurting because I have an entity attached to me? Is it hurting Mm. because I just worked in the garden for eight hours and bending over planting things? Like you're going to be able to start to tell the difference. Mm. Um, is it because, you're really empathic and your partner was just complaining that his back was hurting. Like Mm. why figuring out that why in that root cause, because there's always a root cause to our discomfort. Um, and very rarely there's never a reason just is there's always a reason. Mm. There's always a reason we just have to look for the root cause. Like you said, you know, we can't always just slap a bandaid on it. We have to address the root cause. It's always a good takeaway. And I'm curious we mentioned it earlier and uh, we didn't really talk about it too much, but you have a podcast, the Speed Bumps podcast, and you've done two episodes so far. Thank you so much for the invite onto your, your podcast. But Elle, what is coming up next for your show? Would you like to uh, talk a little bit about it and uh, you know, let us know what you've got planned, what's been going on with uh, Speed Bumps? Yeah, so I started Speed Bumps because I uh, use them as a metaphor for life's uh, tribulations, trials, uh, basically anything that forces you to stop and take stock of where you're at, Mm. just like a speed bump in the road. Uh, they don't have to be a bad thing. A lot of people think, Oh, you know, speed bumps, they're really bad. No, like if there's a beautiful sunset and you have a speed bump, it's just going to make you look the sunset longer. Like it, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. Uh, moving in with somebody or having a baby isn't a bad thing, but it's certainly a period of adjustment. Right. So I've been having people on to just discuss their speed bumps. Uh, I had you on. I just released a Janet's episode today. Uh, nice. I have already spoken with Legit Bat. Uh, I'm speaking with Kyle from The Big Dumb tomorrow. Oh, nice. I spoke with my cousin today. Uh, it's funny. He, before I had my 180, when I was indoctrinated, mm-hmm. not educated, uh, <laughs> I used to think he was kind of like the hippie of the family. Hmm. And when I had my uh, world shattered and realized that Reiki and crystals and essential oils were actually not woo woo bullshit, there was actually something to them. Hmm. Uh, him and I had reconnected recently. And so, yeah, I talked to him today. Um, and yeah, I just, I'm super excited to connect with people. And I think people, they hear speed bumps and they're like, oh, I have to come in and talk about my traumas. No, no, you, you, you kind of, you want to, yeah. like, I'm not going to say no. Uh, because people can learn from it and connect and not feel so alone, but it doesn't have to be something traumatic. It can be how you started your business. It could be, uh, if you're a nurse, why you left nursing, it could be why you became a teacher. It could be a million different things. And I think sometimes people get a little spooked and they're like, Oh, Mm -hmm. I, I, I could never do that. I could never come on and be vulnerable. Well, being vulnerable is being strong. So I encourage you to be vulnerable and it doesn't have to be traumatic. Like mm. it, it, you, you, like I said, you can, but having a kid is a good thing for most yes. people. Yes. And but I'm sure there's a period of adjustment. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I do want to say this, uh, you know, given personal experience, Al, you are a wonderful host and yes, you do open up the, the space completely to share any kind of trauma. But the cool thing was, you know, looking back, I had so much fun on your show and I want to say this. Yes. It's good to invite people to uh, speak about their speed bumps, right? Like we could all learn from each other and you did a wonderful job of helping me process these memories and then working through them and uh, you know, ascending as a result, it was like alchemy. 
we turned that lead into to, to gold. It was wonderful. And that's why talking about your problems is uh, incredible. Sometimes we have to choose the right time and place, but I'm grateful that you've created the space with your podcast to do that. And I'm really excited to listen to you and Janet. I literally just spoke to her the other day and I'm really pumped to uh, hear a little more. And I'm curious too, when you think about that first episode, which I want to stress again for like the fourth time, go back, <laughs> listen to episode one, listen to the origin story. What was that experience like after you, you finally hit record and you started doing it? I mean, how nervous were you? Were you even nervous at all? And now that it's out there and you put it out there, what do you think, Al? Uh, it was definitely nerve wracking because I, I never want to be pitied. And very often when people hear all the things that I've gone through, it's, oh, I feel so bad for you. I could never do that. Okay. Well, first of all, I don't want your pity. Second of all, it's that cliche. You never know how strong you are until you have to be. Mm -hmm. So I didn't do this for pity. I didn't do this for attention. I did this so people could understand they're not alone. Yeah. And that was my sole reason for doing it. Um, It was absolutely nerve wracking. Mm -hmm. It was it brought definitely brought back some memories. Um, but I was able to speak about it in a way that I hope was eloquent and, um, made sense because there was things that I left out either because I forgot or I didn't, I didn't want to include at the time. Um, you know, Mike listened to it and he's like, Oh, we forgot this speed bump and this speed bump and this speed bump. And I'm like, listen, my life has been a rumble strip. So I can't include everything that I've gone through. I kind of just hit the high points or low points, depending upon your point of view, I guess. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was definitely nerve wracking. I had trouble. Uh, I was kind of bashful to be like, yeah, I released a podcast and I kind of want people to listen, but I kind of don't because that's also really intimidating. Mm. Um, and now I'm just kind of in the I'm still nervous when I release an episode, but I'm not, I don't watch the numbers. I don't look at the comments. I don't, whatever. I just trust that whoever needs to hear it, hears it. I love that. Yeah. It's, uh, reminds me of something that I just spoke about recently with a couple of friends. It's when they ask you, you know, what are you doing or what kind of job do you have? And the question is not, what is the income like how many views, how many comments, how many subscribers, whatever. It's not about the income. It's about the outcome. And I can tell just from my own personal experience, both as a listener and a guest on your show, that your show is making a positive impact. And I'm so happy that you started doing it. And like I said earlier, you're full of this energetic ambition. And the best thing you can do is use it, you know, and it's, it's amazing. I'm inspired and I'm really looking forward to all that you do in the future. And speaking of the future, I can tell that you're definitely headed in a great direction and that you've been through so much that it's it's as if you've been prepared for the greatest journey ever, which is yet ahead. But let's look back one more time before we close out. So the closing ritual question here would be, if you could look back to your past self at any time, whether that was yesterday or a couple of years ago, however far back you want to go. And your past self is asking for for help, some kind of guidance. What words of wisdom or message would you give to your past self? Do all the things that you're afraid to do and don't listen to the people who tell you you can't. Love it. I love it. You ever watch the TV show Lost, Elle? I did when it first came out, but I've kind of forgotten the plot line. Why? What did I do? Who did I remind you of? You reminded me of a character named John Locke. Yep, and I know John his Locke. catchphrase, do you know his catchphrase? Don't tell me. Don't tell me I can't. Very close. He says, don't tell me what I can't do. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I actually definitely... have a shirt that says, actually, I can. Because yes, there we go. A lot of times I was told, oh, you can't do this because your arm. Oh, you can't do this because you don't have 10 fingers. Oh, you need to sit this out. And I got to a point of, oh, yeah, motherfucker, watch me. Watch me. I love that. You're a total badass L. Thank you so much for coming on to my show. And I am 
very excited, like I said, what's coming up on the Speed Bumps podcast, but I'm really looking forward to chatting with you again anytime. Uh, Cheers to many more episodes, and I want to wish you a wonderful evening. Thank you, you as well. Thank you for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, Jake said, uh, you can find me at Speed Bumps Podcast or One Thumb L on Instagram and everything is up there. So Awesome. Speed Bumps Podcast, folks, make sure you give her a five-star review because there are only five stars. I, I wish there were 10, I would give you 10. If there were 11, <laughs> I would give you 11. No, no, nine, because that's how many fingers I have. Oh, there we go. Nine stars, nine out of nine. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you, Elle. Have a wonderful night. You too. Well, hey there. This is episode 21 of the Local Listens podcast, and I appreciate you being here on the outro with this wonderful episode featuring One Thumb L. We got L, the host of the Speed Bumps podcast, with us, and I am so blessed to have met her. L is wonderful. She's a total badass, and she blew me away today because I finally realized, oh my God, This is the first time I've recorded an episode that will absolutely not be allowed to be posted onto YouTube. So good for us, Elle. We really went deep today, and I'm so happy we got to blend both the vaccine science and the conspiratorial left brain thinking with our spiritual, uh, you know, more consciousness-based right-brained thinking. That's such a good balance. And speaking of balance, I've had the absolute pleasure of getting together with some folks on the Telegram group where not only do we share some dank memes, but we also have really cool discussions and I'm really blessed because Elle's in that group and not only is Elle an active participant in the local listeners group on Telegram, but she's also someone who was kind enough to record a little bit for my intro. So yes, folks. L is in the intro to my podcast and I am so blessed to be connected with her once again. Let me say this folks, the Speed Bumps podcast that L has produced is incredible. You guys got to go back and watch the first episode. Just start with episode one. She just had on Deplorable Janet for episode three. It's really, really cool and you can catch my episode with her episode two. Lots more to come in the future. Very excited. Like I said earlier, Elle is a total badass. I feel very lucky that she was kind enough to come on my show. And overall, it's just a wonderful start to the week. Today is Monday, and I know it's going to be a fantastic week. So, folks, once again, if you want to join that Telegram group and bring your own magical memes or whatever you want to share, it's t.me slash listeners. And... Please go and support Elle's show, The Speed Bumps Podcast. Just search it up. You'll find it. And either way, wherever you are, be here, be now, and be you. Love you. Thank you.